0: Welcome to Tesco Talk, a podcast for those who build, run, use, and maintain wireless systems, featuring the latest industry trends and upcoming events, as well as key insights from wireless experts. Now, here's your host, Sam Parker. Hi, I'm Samuel Parker, and welcome to Tesco Talk, where I sit down with the market leaders in the wireless industry to discuss new wireless trends, technology, and news. The goal of our discussion is to keep you, the listener, up to date with what's happening and what's hot in the wireless world. Don Henry from Combo is back. It's good having you back in the studio. Don, how have you been?
1: I've been just great, Sam. How are you been doing?
0: Very good, very good. Don is the Vice President of Sales and Public Safety Program Manager at Comba and is based out of Southern California. Don, could you tell us a little more about Comba and your role there?
1: Yeah, certainly, Sam. Thank you very much. So let me start, though, by saying that um, we're uh, we're obviously very happy with our partnership with Tesco and very happy for this opportunity to get get the message out about our products and our solutions. So, uh, yeah, I'm the VP of Sales and Public Safety Program Manager for Comba Telecom. We are actually uh, headquartered in Northern California in Milpitas. I spend a lot of time up there, as you can imagine, and a lot of the time on the road. And when I'm not traveling, uh, you're correct, I'm based out of my home office here in Southern California. So uh, as VP of sales, you can imagine my job is managing uh, my regional sales team, Uh it, both for public safety as well as our commercial seller products, and as a public safety program manager, work very closely with our product manager and our marketing department to developing new products, bringing it to market, uh, getting the message out, uh, exposing the product to our customer base, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Don, did you know this is your fourth podcast with Tesco? Thanks for coming back on the show. Sounds like you've been busy uh, with the new portfolio updates and features you mentioned. Uh, It sounds like the last time we talked to you, we're launching your new UHF BDA. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's going?
1: Yeah, thanks, Sam. No, it's going very, very well. Um, You know, we're proud of the fact that when we bring new products to market, uh, we don't have uh, engineers sitting in a closet designing things and then pushing them out the door and say, here, go try and sell this. Instead, we go out and work very closely with our customers with a clean slate approach and have them tell us what the product should be, what it shouldn't be, features and functions they're looking for, etc. So as we did with our uh, very successful 700, 800 product, we did the same thing on UHF and we brought it to market and it's been very, very uh, well received by the marketplace. We've actually beat our initial revenue expectations. Um, we had some issues with lead times, um, that we're correcting very quickly. Um, but the units have been deployed various locations across the country. We've not had any issues so far, so it's gone very, very well. Thank you.
0: Don, that's fantastic. And I understand, uh, that you've also added a new feature to your class a BDAs. Could you tell us a little about that?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, actually, we've added a, a, a couple of features and it's to our, uh, not only our, 700, 800 class ABDAs, but also our UHF uh, product as well. It's what we call multi-mode ALC. Um, We have a couple of different modes you can use. One mode allocates the RF power across the active channels. The other mode gives you the ability to allocate the power across the number of channels that have been Uh, programmed into the BDA. So for example, let's say you had a BDA uh, in a deployment where you had four channels that that AHJ operates on. With one mode, you can take the uplink power and allocate it uh, evenly across the number of channels that are programmed in. And what that means is whether one channel is active or two or three or all four, each channel is going to have the identical same amount of power all the time, every time. The other mode gives you the ability to allocate the power across the active channels. So what that means is if you have four channels programmed into that BDA, but at one point in time, only one channel is active, all of the uplink power is going to be devoted to that active channel. If a second of the four channels becomes active, now the uplink power is allocated across the two active channels. And we have actually a... Um, a variation of the second mode that we call mode three and that's identical except it has a very slightly faster triggering effect um, because it uh, in certain uh, digital network environments, trigger time is very, very critical. So the reason for the two different modes is it allows flexibility for the system design and the system deployment. So for example, if the tower is very close to the site where the ERC system is installed, then generally the designer will use the mode where the power is allocated evenly across all of the program channels because they know that they always are going to have no problem getting an uplink signal out because they're very close to the tower. In a different scenario uh, where the tower is a long ways away and there may be some challenges from time to time with having enough power to get a call to the tower, then, um, then you'd use the other mode where all of the power is allocated only to the channel that's active.
0: Thanks, Don. That makes a lot of sense. Sounds like a fantastic feature. Uh, I've also heard a little bit about the net protect uh, feature as relates to BDAs. Could you elaborate a little bit on that for us?
1: Yeah, that's actually a very cool feature. That's the second one that I, I mentioned we wanted to chat about. So a byproduct of BDAs, all BDAs, Class A, Class B, RBDAs, BDAs, other BDAs, is that they always put a little bit of noise on the public safety network. Uh HJs don't want noise on their network, and in an uh, urban environment or, or, a, or, a, or, a, or a congested environment where you have a lot of BDAs, every BDA putting noise on the network, eventually it raises the noise flow for the overall network to the point where it can cause problems for the uh, HJ operating their network. And so we have a feature we call NetProtect. And by the way, we are seeking patent protection on it. It's so cool. And what happens with NetProtect is we monitor the uplink traffic. And if there's no traffic on any channels, we actually shut the BDA uplink power amplifier off. Uh, Without a feature like NetProtect, you can use Squelch to reduce the noise but you're still going to be putting some noise up on the network. But again, with NetProtect, we're putting no noise on because if you think about it, it makes sense. If the uplink power amp is shut off, it obviously can't be putting noise on the network.
0: Makes perfect sense, Don. Now, what happens to that, uh, that BDA in the event of an emergency, say a, a firefighter keys up their mic?
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. When we first came up with the concept of NetProtect, we said, well, uh, it's, there's not going to be a very effective solution if there's <clears throat> too much delay and someone comes in, keys up their mic and the call doesn't go out. So we went through some very, uh, uh, stringent testing at our R and D labs in Guangzhou, China, and we never found a situation where, uh, it didn't trigger fast enough that we never even lost uh, the first word of a communication. So yeah, it does trigger very quickly. Um, So as soon as someone walks in that building and keys up a portable, uh, it'll immediately turn the NetProtect feature off and the call will go through.
0: Oh, that's a fantastic feature. I'm sure the AHJs love that capability.
1: So far, they've been very happy with it, yeah.
0: Don, could you tell me a little bit about uh, Comba's AMS capability?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a new product we just recently uh, brought to market. In fact, we just recently officially launched it. Um, a- AMS is an acronym for Antenna Monitoring Solution. And it's really a very interesting product for a couple of reasons. Today, typically, ordinances say that the system must monitor the not only the donor antenna health, but also the health and serviceability of the service antenna arrays that are installed inside the building. The way that's typically done is you monitor the service antenna arrays using Viswar. The problem with Viswar is it can only see out to the first layer of passives, if you will, splitters, couplers, etc., that feed that service antenna array. So if you have an antenna That's, you know, several coax cable links and several passive links down the pike, if you will. You could have a problem with that antenna, and VisWAR would never detect it. If VisWAR doesn't detect a problem, then it won't send the mandatory antenna malfunction alarm to the fire panel. So AMS is a unique product. It consists of really a couple of components. One is a very small electronic device that sits right next to the BDA and actually connects up to the BDA. And then the other component are RFID tags, one RFID tag being installed at each service antenna. And quite uh, simply put, what happens is the electronic box sends a pilot signal out through the coax, through the splitters, etc., out to the RFID tag that's attached to each antenna. Uh, the RFID tag then sends that pilot signal back. So if the AMS box does not see the signal come back, it knows that there's a problem. And it not only could detect a problem at that antenna, but it could be that the antenna is fine, but the coax feeding that antenna or the passive feeding that antenna has a problem. No matter where the problem is in the signal path, we will detect it. And again, we can do that on an individual antenna basis. So if we detect a problem, then two things happen. One, we will send the standard antenna malfunction alarm to the fire panel, so that they know there's a problem with the antenna array. And then the integrator can come on site connect into the AMS box and figure out exactly which antenna is causing the problem. So it provides a more reliable way of monitoring the health of the uh, passive service antenna array. Uh, And at the same time, it also saves the building owner money because if there's a problem, the HJ will tell the building owner, fix it. The building owner will, of course, call the integrator and tell him, fix it. So the integrator will go on site, and instead of having to manually go through and check every single antenna and every single antenna path, they can simply log into AMS and be told immediately which antenna or antennas are having the problem.
0: Don, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you see next on the roadmap for Comba and, and kind of what you guys are working on looking ahead?
1: Yeah, so we've got a number of very exciting new products on our map. Uh, I I, uh, I won't say a lot because, you know, we don't like to announce things too early, and I need to have some material for the next podcast. After all, <laughs> so what I will say, though, is we've got a, a number of products on our roadmap that can provide a, a bigger variance in the types of venues we can cover, meaning size of venue, um, and uh, and also um, the frequency bands that we can cover. One product that we are just about to launch, which I'll leak out a little bit now, is, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, we have our 700, 800 um, fiber DES for large buildings or multi-campus uh, environments or multi-building campus environments. Uh, currently, we were able to support up to eight fiber remotes only. Um, we have uh, just launched a expansion hub for that device. So we will now be able to uh, accommodate up 30 to 32 Fiber remotes for that system. Each remote having two watts of downlink power provides coverage for you know approximately four hundred thousand square feet. So if you run the math for thirty-two remotes, that means we could provide coverage for up to twelve million square feet of coverage area. So this is obviously way beyond even multi-building campus environments, but huge environments like airports. Um, you know stadiums uh, major resorts etc so we're, we're we're very excited about that and we've actually had um, orders in hand for those products for quite some time so we're we're, we're quickly trying to fill back orders <clears throat> and again we have some other products coming down the pike but I'll I'll hold those for the next podcast.
0: Absolutely. Sounds like Comba is really future-proofing themselves and and their product lines, looking at customers' needs into the future. Uh, Before we wrap up here, Don, is there anything else you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah, there's been some interesting things happening um, in uh, the local uh, ordinances published by the HJs. Uh, Typically, over the years, uh, it has applied to new construction only. Uh, typically, over the years, ordinances have applied to buildings of, you know, depending on the ordinance, 75,000 square feet, 100,000 square feet and larger. Um, we're seeing some changes now. Uh, several jurisdictions now have reduced the minimum building size. There's some jurisdictions that are actually saying even buildings, 5,000, commercial buildings, 5,000 square feet and larger will need to have coverage. Uh, the other thing we're seeing as changing is... Some ordinances now are starting to be modified to say it's not just new construction, but uh, mandating retrofit of existing buildings. And if you think about that aspect, it makes sense, or both of those, because, you know, you'd say, well, um, if you're not in a building that's new construction or 100,000 square feet or bigger, um, don't count on the fire department being able to fight a fire or EMS being able to take care of a medical problem. Uh, It's only people in brand new buildings and big buildings. That makes absolutely no sense. So to us, it's very logical that the HJs are now starting to say, you know, the building size really shouldn't matter. And whether it's a 12-year-old building or brand new construction, that also shouldn't matter. So this is going to be very good for the first responders, very good for the public that the first responders service. And of course, obviously, very good for the uh, ERRCS business as well. Um, the, the other thing we're, we're seeing changing, and we talked about this a little bit a, a couple of minutes ago, is we're starting to see some jurisdictions now mandate uh, the ability to monitor individual passive components, uh, you know, on the service antenna array. Absolutely, Don. Sounds
0: like uh, Comba is really doing a great job of staying up on the leading edge of all these changes and even leading the way in some instances, uh, which is a, a great benefit, obviously, to, to Tesco and to all of our cons- are all of our customers. Well, that wraps up uh, this week's Tesco Talk. I'd like to thank Don for being my guest today. Uh, To learn more about Comba as discussed in this episode, please visit tescotalk.com, where we will have links to the material we covered today, as well as our previous and upcoming podcasts. For more information about Tesco and to inquire on how we can help with the experience and tools to simplify the complexities of wireless, please visit tesco.com. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit your Apple Podcast app, tescotalk.com or Stitcher, Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Tesco Talk. For more information on this program and other podcasts in the series, visit www.tescotalk.com. Join us next time for another exciting episode as we continue to build our wireless world together.